may not be able to tell. You may not be able to tell by my complexion, but I really love nature. Sure, I do stay inside quite a bit. Um, I guess that's just probably better for my skin that way, but I love nature. And I love how God teaches us about himself through nature. I was reading recently about how trees in a forest, they talk to each other. Did you know that trees talk to each other? Scientists have recently found that trees, through their root system, they communicate with each other, they share with each other nutrients back and forth, they encourage each other, they strengthen each other by sharing their nutrients from one tree to another. In fact, if one tree in a forest is infected with a parasite, it will send chemical signals to the nearby trees around it, in which it's warning these trees about a potential issue that they need to avoid as well. Obviously, they don't have real conversations with each other. That's not what we're talking about. But they, they talk to each other through their root systems, and they, they gain strength from each other. There's a, a series of articles that I was reading about redwood forests. And if you've ever been in a redwood forest, you know how awe-inspiring, really, it is, how amazing God's creation is, these massive trees. But there's what's called a fairy ring that happens in redwood forests. Does anybody know what a fairy ring is? Ever seen one? It's also called a family circle. But what happens when a mature redwood tree dies in the forest? What happens in the root systems is that mature redwood tree that's died gives up all of its remaining nutrients. And what they found is almost a perfect circle surrounding that dead tree or that hub tree Almost a perfect circle forms children trees that grow up after it from the nutrients in the root systems. And there's almost a legacy that's passed on from this one tree into this circle of trees that come after it. And as you just start reading about nature and you start understanding what God has designed in his creation, it really is amazing. The things that, as we'll get into the book of Job later on in the last few chapters of Job, the things that God knows that we just have no idea about. The things he's created, the things he's done that we will just never fully understand. And we're not going to be talking about trees this morning, don't worry. This is probably where we'll end our conversation about trees. But I started thinking, in reading about the way that trees and a forest share together, I started thinking about the church. And that's what... I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about how, as the church, we are rooted together. The scripture that we read earlier in our service was all talking about, from Ephesians chapter 3, was talking about how we are rooted and grounded in love, which we'll talk about in this lesson. But that picture of being rooted and grounded is, is really what we're, what we're talking about in this example of trees, what we learn about trees. A tree gains strength by being rooted and grounded. But in that same verse in Ephesians chapter 3, Paul also goes on to talk about the amazing things that we do together, not just alone, but together as the church. And our main job as the church really is to bring God and his son Jesus Christ glory every day of our lives. And that's what we're about. And so I want to talk about how we are rooted together in the church. Because 
I think Christians sometimes, and maybe, maybe you even slip into this, I think we slip into the mindset sometimes where I need to work out my salvation with fear and trembling. It's me and it's God. And that's it. It's just me and God. But I don't think that's accurate because as you look to the example of the early church, what, what is the first thing that they do after, after giving their lives to Jesus? They enter into community. They, they share with each other. They spend time together. They encourage each other all together collectively. We see, we've seen in our study of the seven churches of Asia, we've seen how Jesus has a view of his collective people that is either positive or negative. He'll either be with them or he'll remove their lampstand. Now, it's not to say that, that a church collectively is going to enter into heaven or not enter into heaven because of what the church collectively does, but, but it does say that there is an importance there. There's an importance to this to this body that we have, to this forest that we're a part of. And so for this morning, what I want you to think of is yourself as a tree. Now, some of you may look more like trees than others, but I want you to think of yourself as a tree and you have roots planted deep into the ground and you are a part of the forest of this church. Together, we are all rooted and productive in our service. And if you think it's just about you and God, I think sometimes there's also this thought about, in relation to the church, what can I get out of the church? What is the church doing for me? And so I want to address that here in this lesson. I want to talk about some things, not that the church can do for you, but what you can do for the church, and how you can give, and how you can be a blessing, how you can encourage, and warn, and strengthen, and do all the things that we see trees doing for each other in nature. So let's talk about that for a little bit this morning. The first point that I want to get into is that, and clearly this is where we have to start, we are rooted together in love. And that is exactly what Paul was talking about in Ephesians chapter 3. We are rooted and grounded in love. Love is, if you want to call it our main job from the Shema, as we read about earlier in our first lesson, we love the Lord our God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. And we love our neighbor as ourselves. And then Jesus gives in John chapter 13, verse 34, a new commandment. And it really, it isn't so groundbreaking and shocking. It's not that new. In fact, it's just really a, a spin on the first and the second great commandments. And he says, a new commandment I, get, commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we love God with all of our heart and soul and strength. We love our neighbor as ourself, and we use Jesus as the model of how we love each other. We look to Jesus as the perfect example of love. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And so love is the is the foundation of who we are. It's the root system of who we are. We are rooted together in love. And so maybe a question that comes from that is, are you making connections with people in love? There is a, there is a difference. And we, we know what foyer small, small talk is, right? You know, it's that, how's the weather? Or how's that game? Did you see that big game? Or whatever it is, the, the, the small talk that happens in the foyer 
Those kinds of things are not going to lead us to a deep relational connection with each other. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Of course, there is absolutely a time and a place for slapping somebody on the back and saying, my team beat yours, ha-ha. <laughs> but, but we need to get to know each other. Jesus knew us. He knows us. And we need to know each other. Using him, him as our example, we need to connect with each other and love each other. Because like a forest, we gain encouragement from each other. We share in this love together. But what happens when a tree is by itself, off, alone? It doesn't have the benefit of the root system and the support structure of the trees around it. And you, as a part of this church, need to foster and be a part of the loving environment that we have here. And that goes so far beyond just the surface scratching details. It gets deep into people's lives. And you need to know people around you. You need to know what makes them tick, what's going on in their lives, what they need you to pray for them about, how they can, how they can receive support from you. You need to get connected with people. I used to have a preacher friend who would ask the congregation, if you don't know everybody's favorite color, in this congregation, then you've got some work to do. And I'm not going to say that our, uh, having everyone's favorite color in mind is important, but, but it is an indicator of how well you know people, how well you have a connection with people, and that kind of love that we develop with each other. And so let's go to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Here's the question. What can you do? Now, you may be very tempted in this lesson to look around and say, I don't feel like I'm loved or I don't feel like people love me. And maybe this sort of consumer mindset rather than a producer mindset. You might be looking for what the church can do for you, but here is what you can do for this church, for Monta Vista. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, what you can do is love other people. That is what you can do. And that sounds simple. But go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and just spend some time thinking about what actual love looks like. Love is not just a, a warm, fuzzy feeling in your heart. Love is action. Love gets involved, and we know that here because of the words that Peter uses. He says, from a sincere brotherly love, that's phileo. That's the, that's the slap you on the back sort of brotherly love, like the familial love. You're my brother, right? And we call each other brothers and sisters frequently. But what's the second love that he talks about there? Love one another earnestly from a pure heart. That is agape love. That is agape love. That is self-sacrificial love. That's not just slapping someone on the back and saying, you're part of my team. That's saying, I'm going to die for you kind of love. I'm going to give up everything that I can for you kind of love. That's the kind of love we're talking about. And that's what you can do for this church. You can self-sacrificially give yourself and love each other, love your brothers and your sisters. And so I'm going to have a series of challenges here. If you're up for the challenge, maybe take some of these on if, if, you, if you want to throughout the week. But get to know somebody here personally. I know there's a lot of people here, and in fact, there's a lot of people who are, are not here currently who are still part of this group. But get to know someone here personally and connect with them and understand them in a deeper way than maybe you have before. Because there are a lot of people that you may know just in passing, 
I, I'm looking out at the audience, and I know there are people that I have not had a deep conversation with, that I have not sat down face to face with and had a discussion with. And for you, when you look around at other people in this church, find those people that you need to get to know better. And that, well, that's really the encouragement from the elders. I guess that's not just me talking about that. That's, that's get into the lives of people who you need to touch and who you don't know as well as maybe you could. And that's a, an encouragement for you so that we can all be rooted together in love. So let's move on. We're also rooted together in holiness. We're rooted together in holiness. We, we have a standard. We have Jesus, who is our perfect standard, which we are trying to live up to and to be holy like he is holy. James chapter 5, verse 19, James says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. As the church, we have a priority on holiness. And not just our holiness, but each other's holiness. We watch out for each other. We make sure that when we see somebody starting to slip away, and, and you, you know how this works, right? You know when somebody starts to slip away. You know when they start not getting together with people as often. You know when their, their demeanor changes, the way that they talk changes, their, their excitement or passion for the Lord changes. You've seen that in people. And when you start to see that, get involved. Step in. And as James talks about here, pull them back. Turn them back from their wanderings so that they don't go down the, ra- the route of sin and unrighteousness. We need to fight together rather than fighting the battle alone. I think a lot of times what's easy to do is just to like give you a list of all the scriptures. Oh, you're, oh, you're struggling with alcohol? Let me give you a list of five scriptures. Now you go home and do the work on your own. And that, that kind of leaves people maybe thinking that, that they're all by themselves. But remember, we're rooted together in holiness. We need to fight together. And I need to be a part of your life, and you need to be a part of mine. I need to support you in your struggles and get personal and real with you, deeply connecting with you and helping you deal with your struggle with whatever sin you're having is. And that's what James was talking about there. You get involved. It's easy for for you to just kind of shoot a bunch of verses at somebody, but, but to get involved takes time energy, investment, and it's messy. But that's what we're about as the church. We're focused and we put a priority on the holiness of this church, on your holiness, and you hold me to a standard for my holiness. And that's what we do together. And so we need to fight this battle together. But that involves confessing our sins to one another. And that is, that's a challenge, really. James goes on in James chapter 5, verse 16 to say, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And here's the, here's the part of the verse that we always highlight. This is the one we always use. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. A lot of times we talk about the prayer of a righteous man avails much, but don't lop off the first part of that verse, please. Don't do it. Confess your sins to one another. And pray for one another that you may be healed. How do I know what specifically to pray for for you if you haven't told me? Now, I could pray some generic prayer 
asking the Lord to, to help you be holy and help you deal with your sins. But the, the prayer of a righteous person is effective when he knows what to pray for. And so what you can do as part of this is confess your sins. Now, that sounds a lot like rolling up here to the front at the end of this lesson and telling everybody the things that are going on. I don't think that's what James is talking about here. I think what James is talking about is sitting across the table one-on-one -on -one from a friend that you trust and telling them something that you're struggling with. Telling them something in confidence and in trust that, that they can help you with, and at the very least, and, and so effectively, as we see from this verse, that they can pray specifically for that for you. We talked about vulnerability in the first lesson and how hard that is, just to, just to imagine being that exposed to someone. What are we hiding from each other? What are we hiding? Raise your hand if you've never sinned. <laughs> I'm putting it down. <laughs> you, we've all sinned. Just accept that. None of us are perfect. And so it should not be a surprise when someone comes to you and says, I'm dealing with sin. Don't be surprised by that. And get, get on your knees and praying for other people. And so the challenge or maybe the encouragement for you is intentionally steer your conversations with a close brother or sister to talking about something that you're struggling with. It's easy to talk about small talk and things that, that aren't challenging or aren't confrontational. And I'm not saying be a Debbie Downer here. I'm not saying that every chance you get with somebody, every time I talk to Greg, I'm like, man, Greg, I, everything's terrible right now. And that's all we ever talk about. Greg's not going to want to talk to me after a while. But, but what we do need to do is get real with each other. Let's get real with each other. I had an opportunity in the, in the hallway just this afternoon, or this morning, I guess it's not even afternoon yet, just this morning, to talk to a brother, and instead of this kind of small talk, he opened up to me and told me about some of the things he was struggling with. And I've been thinking about that, just sitting in the pew before this lesson, and how powerful that is, how meaningful that is for me, to know that, that I can have somebody confess their, their struggles with me, and now I can feel like I can confess my struggles to them, too. So find those people. Be open. And, and if somebody needs you to be an open ear, then be an open ear, because that's the other side of it that you can do for others in this church. So we're rooted together in holiness. But, and, and sort of tied to this a little bit, we're also rooted together in discipline. And this is challenging. Again, a lot of these topics that we've had lessons on recently but we're rooted together in discipline. And in 1 Corinthians 5, obviously, of course, if we're talking about discipline, we have to go to 1 Corinthians 5. Paul says, But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Sin grows in the darkness, and it... it goes completely against our holiness. And in order to root that out and deal with it, sometimes we have to get rid of a brother. Sometimes we have to say, look, you cannot be here. You cannot associate with us. You cannot be in our fellowship any longer with this kind of behavior and this kind of attitude. And that's hard. And thank God that we have six elders to help us do that. But we all have a responsibility in this. 
This is all our responsibility. And here's the thing. As a family together, rooted together, we need to have the kinds of relationships with each other because we love each other, remember? Our, our deep relational connections with each other to where when we go to somebody and talk about their sins, it counts. I can't tell you how many times the first time somebody hears from the eldership or somebody hears from some member is when they've done something wrong. And I'm not saying that happens here. I think our elders do a great job here. But in, in some people's minds, that just turns them off like that. If the first time I've ever talked to you is when I'm trying to tell you that you've done something wrong or that you're in sin, we don't have a close relationship. We don't have a bond with each other. And so, of course, that's just going to skip right off, and it's not going to mean anything. But when somebody who I love and who I respect and who I trust comes to me, if Chad comes to me and tells me, look, man, I think you've made a mistake, that just that, that hits me to the core because we have a deep relationship. And so those kinds of things that we build in this family are, are about discipline because when somebody goes astray, when somebody has difficulty and they're not willing to change, we need to step in and make that correction, as Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 5. And so we need to bear each other's burdens. That is your job. That is your responsibility here, to bear each other's burdens. And Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, that's what this is all about. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. What can you do in discipline? You can bear people's burdens. You can get involved in the messy, difficult stuff in someone's life. You can be a part of that. It's not just the elder's job to discipline people. It is your job. It is also your responsibility. You have a role in that, and you need to bear with people's burdens in a spirit of gentleness, obviously keeping watch on yourself. And if you are a spiritual person, this is your job. Now, if you want to raise your hand and say, I'm not a spiritual person, well, then it's not your job. <laughs> but if you, if you are honest enough to raise your hand and say, I'm not a spiritual person, maybe we can talk afterward. This is your job. This is my job. And so you, as a part of this church, have a role in helping discipline the membership here and keeping us holy, keeping us on the right track, and keeping us from having disease in our midst. And so let's move on maybe to a more positive topic here, the challenge that you can do. If you see something, thoughtfully say something. That is something that you can do here. If you see something going on in someone's life that they need to change, that they need to make a correction about, say something. Or just let somebody know that you're praying about them. I can't even tell you how many times somebody has told me that they're praying for me, and that just opens my eyes to say, I'm not alone. There's, there are people here who are watching for me. There are people here who care about me. And if for some reason I decide to go off the rails, and, and, and I don't show up for a bunch of Sundays, and I, I don't think about God, and I don't follow him anymore, I know there is a room full of people here who are watching over me, who are praying for me, who really want me to come back to my senses. That's something we can all do for each other. And so let's, let's move on here to our fourth point. We're rooted together in growth. That's what we're here to do. We're here to grow. We're here to encourage each other to grow. You are at a different spiritual maturity level than I am. 
I'm at a different spiritual maturity than you are, and all of us collectively together are helping each other grow. And we see that here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. This is what Paul is talking about here. He gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Christ is the standard, and we're all just trying to measure up to the stature of the fullness of him and his example. And we're doing that together. And we have equipment that helps us do that. Our prophets and apostles and evangelists and shepherds and teachers, all of these roles, all of these people together building us up and helping us grow. I can talk about Sean when he's gone, right? That's, <laughs> is that okay for just a second? Preachers are really important. But I feel like sometimes whenever I get up to preach that I'm shooting a shotgun into the audience. Where I, in this message right now, in the, in the lesson I preached earlier, these messages, I'm, I'm trying to reach Gary. You know, I'm trying to reach Brenna. I'm trying to reach Dave. I'm trying to reach Chad. I'm trying to reach people of, of so many different demographics, so many different age levels, so many different maturity levels. And I'm just hoping that something I say sticks. You understand where I'm going with that? And that's, that's what Sean does. That's what every preacher, whoever preaches, does. We're trying to, we're trying to blast it out in a way that, that everyone can get something out of it. Now, here's the difference about what you can do. You can be the laser beam sitting across the table for somebody and having a one-on-one -on -one conversation like Nathan did with David and saying, you are the man. That is, is so much more powerful in helping someone change and helping someone grow than anything that you could hear here that's just a, a scattershot of trying to get everyone on the same page. When you can sit down with somebody one-on-one -on -one, in a small group setting, maybe just across the table, and talk to them about how they can grow, that is powerful and that is meaningful. And that helps people really make the changes and, and be accountable for making the changes and growing in that way. Because you'll notice here from that verse that, that it wasn't just the, uh, the, the preachers who were responsible for growth. It was all these people responsible for growth, helping equip the saints. We have all of our membership. No matter who you are, you can help someone to grow. You don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be an elder. You don't have to be a Bible class teacher. You just need to be somebody who's lived as a disciple for a little while. And you can help train up someone and help someone grow. And it's a job we all need to be doing. So the question, I guess, is what can you do? And you can consider others better than yourself. And that is something that all of us can do. We can consider others better than ourselves. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others, having this mind among yourselves, which is in Christ Jesus. This is following Jesus' example. We can look out for each other. We can count others better than ourselves. We can, we can think about what others need and what they need to grow in and how they can be better. And so the challenge, I think, in, in coming naturally from this verse is real specific and real practical. Keep a list of people, like in a journal, piece of paper, in your phone app, or whatever. Keep a list of people 
and the areas that you would like to see them grow in or the areas that they have talked to you about growing in. And just bring those things up in casual conversation. If you're looking for an antidote to my team beat yours in the foyer, make a list of people and write down the areas in which they're trying to grow in. If you know sister so-and-so is really struggling with this particular sin, then bring it up in conversation and talk to her about it occasionally. If you know that brother so-and-so is trying to do better in his daily Bible reading, just mention it in conversation. Ask him if he, he got a chance to read Job 6 verses, or Job chapter 6 through 10 up there on the screen. Just ask him about that in conversation. Just bring these things up and then pray for them specifically. These are things that we can do together to help each other grow and keep each other accountable. So last thing, thank you for your patience. We are also rooted together in evangelism. That is, that is absolutely what we are focused on here. We're not just insular. We're not just focused on ourselves. We're looking to get out into the community and evangelize and to teach people about Jesus and help them see their deep and important need for the Lord. And that is exactly what Jesus talked about in his beautiful prayer in John chapter 17. He says, I do not ask for these only in verse 20, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they, may all, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you. By the way, he's praying for you and I there. When we believe in the disciples and the apostles' word, that, that's us. Jesus is praying for us. Just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Jesus doesn't talk about the word unity here, but I'm going to, because that's exactly, I think, what he's referring to here, that we may all be one, that we may be united. And what happens when the church is united? The world may know that you have sent me. The world is going to see that when we as a church are united together, that there's something different about us, that there's something special about us. And so we need to show Christ in this church. It, it is absolutely important that we invite people to sit in the pew. That's good, and that's important. That's a good thing to do. But more important than inviting someone to sit in the pew is inviting somebody to see what Jesus looks like in this church. And we can only do that if we're unified. We can only do that if we're not bickering and fighting with each other. We can only do that if we're focused on the same goal and we're not just letting pettiness and, and all kinds of little tiny issues get us divided. What happens when the world comes into the church and they see us just fighting together? They're not going to see Jesus in us. They're not going to see the Lord God in us. They're not going to see unity or peace or harmony or happiness. And we need to show them that. And I think we do a good job at that. And occasionally there will be problems. It's not if there will be people problems, it's when there will be people problems. And what do we do about it? And what can you do about it when there are people problems? Bear with one another and forgive one another. Colossians chapter 3, verse 13. Bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. We need to bear with each other. We need to give each other some slack. 
We need to be willing to forgive each other. We need to be willing to get over our petty differences and things on, on opinions or you hurt my feelings or I hurt your feelings or whatever it is that we're fighting together about. And trust me, my toes are broken at this point. I'm stepping on them so much. This is what we all need to do. And we all need to have a role in this. So maybe a challenge for you. If in your life you know of somebody who you've had tension with, who you've had a difficulty with, who, who you've had a spat with, or they don't, they don't appreciate you, or you don't appreciate them, get over it. Get over it. Go to them. Ask them for forgiveness, or extend forgiveness if that's what needs to happen. We need to be united. We need to evangelize, and we're never going to be able to evangelize. We're never going to be able to teach the world when we internally in the church are fighting together. We can't do that. We can't focus on teaching people about Jesus when we're just so divided internally. I, I, Coloss or the Corinthian church is a great example. They had a lot to get over. And, and it seems in 2 Corinthians that they did get over quite a bit of that. But if we have issues dealing with each other, we need to get over it. And we need to forgive each other and move past it. And so these are just a few things that we are rooted together in in the church. Love, holiness, discipline growth and evangelism. There's so many more things that the church is about, but I think these are some of the basic ones. This is not about what the church can do for you, though. It's about what you can do for the church, how you can support this group, and how you can help us be rooted together in the Lord. Please take out your songbooks, turn to the number that's been announced. Sometimes it's easy to view the church as a social club. Like you get the you get a card-carrying member of the Jelly of the Month Club, and that, that now you're a part of the club, right? You're, you're part of the team. When you join the church, you don't get a card. You're not, you're not indoctrinated into some social club. That, that's not what the church is. Throughout the Bible, not only is the church talked about in this sort of tree analogy, but, but more importantly, the, the church is talked about as a body. We're a body and you're a part of the body. You're an integral part of the body, and if you can't imagine chopping off your hand, then I can't imagine you not being a part of this church and working together with us. So if you want to be a part of the Lord's church, you want to give your life to him, you want to plant yourself in his forest, then we can help you do that this morning. Please come as we stand in.